You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. everybody welcome to 3dm's podcast i'm jake joined as per usual by helen and paul because clint doesn't like us no he's again he's a very Nacho's busy boy. replaced us as has <laughs> he, replaced him as our he's a very busy boy these days but uh joining us today we have jim from the undercard hand combat radio hey how you doing and also a dnd enthusiast so that's going to make doing this cross show very helpful because otherwise if you didn't know a damn thing about dnd this would be, be a really <laughs> awkward <show>. very awkward <laughs> having a podcast network only works me a bunch of nerd shit <laughs> a bunch of nerd stuff going on in this room uh so before we launch into it we record at the podcast detroit studios in royal oak michigan if you ever want to start your own podcast and you live in the southeastern michigan area it's just as easy as coming on down uh going to the website or however you want to do it and getting your own show set up super easy super affordable really fun if you ever want to start your own podcast check out podcast detroit if you're in the southeastern michigan area also um as per usual at the start of every week we are going to remind everybody we got a giveaway going on we're trying to get to 500 likes on our facebook page we are only t- uh 15 likes o- or yeah, 15 away no. from halfway there. Yeah, 15 away from halfway Living there. on a prayer, things like that. Whoa. Um, All right, that's enough of that. And uh, yeah, so head to our Facebook page, give us a like, and once we hit 500 likes, we're going to give away two D&D books to two people who have liked our Facebook page. One each. One Not two to each person. Yeah, one book to each person. Um We'll sign them if you want, but no special editions. We're afraid it's too expensive. We're not willing to snipe an eBay auction for you. Yeah, we love you, but not that much. Um and so, yeah, uh, all that stuff's out of the way. Let's well, get – What is your Facebook page? The like, what th- would I type into the address bar? Thanks, Jim. You've been doing this a lot longer than we have. Uh, <laughs> 3DM's podcast on Facebook. Find us, like us, love us. So it would be www.facebook.com backslash – Three, the word, DMs, DMS, podcast. And we'll be there. Gotcha. Yes, indeed. All right. We just got a Good nice to know. new logo. See? Yeah. We got a nice new logo. You can come check it out. It's very pretty. Excellent. So – uh, launching in to this week's show, we're going to be doing Villains 2 Electric Boogaloo, uh, following up our very theory-heavy discussion we had on the day Paul and I almost died on the highway. Oh Sorry God, we couldn't be here last week because there it was, was worse. Yeah, there was about eight inches of snow on the road and no one wanted to drive. Yeah. So... It was bad with only four inches. I don't want to even imagine it would be like eight inches. Yeah, it was just it was straight misery. But it doesn't fill all the potholes all the way. Yeah, no. we're back. Yeah, it just makes them harder to find than you lose your axle. So we're back. We're doing villains too, but we have Jim from the undercard. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just talking about four, eight inches. Doesn't fill it all the way in my mind. 
Just, just going, straight just to the going. Gutter. Yeah, straight to the gutter. Yeah. I, I thought about or that. I figured I wouldn't say anything. I've, I've accidentally used up all our swearing for the last like three weeks. So yeah, no, it's just in, yeah, in one like five minute swoop, just so many f bombs. Um, that's that's fine. That's why the, the FCC doesn't regulate internet podcasts. Oh yeah, hey. excellent. Yet, <laughs> well, that's why we not trust those guys. To <laughs> but anyways, so Jim, we got you here today. Uh, yes. Let's uh, let's tell everybody. Your history with the illustrious game of D&D. Okay. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, the first time I played D&D was in high school. So I was probably, I want to say like a junior in high school. So I believe that was second edition. Um, uh, could Best be, edition. could be, could be off. Uh, I, uh, debate. I debate on that, but <laughs> that was my, inter- that was my introduction to, uh, dice rolling role playing games. Uh, I didn't play it for very long, uh, cause the group that I was playing with, uh, between sports and other things going on, it was just way too hard to get together. So it kind of lasted for about six months, and then it kind of fizzled out. Uh, and then I didn't play any kind of role-playing games for a while uh, until I was in college. And then I actually played um, Legend of the Five Rings. Oh, excellent. Uh, excellent. And 7C. Um, and I, I played those for a while. Uh, Vampire, Vampire the Masquerade, Oblivion, all those games. Yeah. Um, is that Wraith the Oblivion? Or? Wraith the Oblivion, yes. yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and then, and then, you know, life got in the way and I didn't really play for a while until about two years ago. Uh, a buddy of mine said, Hey, I'm running a D&D game on Friday nights. We need another person. Would you be interested? And I'm like, man, I haven't played in, in a long time. Yeah, let let yeah, I'd be interested. So I started uh, playing on the Friday night game. Um, uh, my first character was a uh, dragonborn sorcerer. There you um, go. No, choice. actually, I I take that back. My first character was a half elf sorcerer who blew himself up <laughs> to destroy a lich, and then I made a dragonborn sorcerer uh, as the as the follow up to that. <laughs> Um, and I've been DMing now for about a year, okay. uh, off and on, uh, between one shots and, uh, a campaign. I'm running a Friday night campaign. Uh, and then I also play usually on a Sunday game. Oh, oh excellent. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for skipping your campaign to be with us. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, you know, like I said, and it's Strahd, so everybody's going to die anyways. So, <laughs> you know, Spoiler. I'm just, I'm just waiting for that day that I get Vampire's a text message saying, yeah, it's T, T, TPK, uh, just roll a new character. We're starting a new campaign next week. Are, are you sure you're not going to be the only survivor who's there to tell the newbies how it was done? Maybe. I don't know. Or I don't... your character survived but has no idea what happened to well, him. Well, I – the DM and I didn't – don't really get along. He's very antagonistic <laughs> in his approach and – Is he uh, villainous you might say? He is slightly villainous, yeah. he His, his whole philosophy is – his whole philosophy is we are all his puppets and we are there as his playthings. That's, that's no appropriate fun. for Strahd, but yeah. not much fun but, to play. But that's just, to that's just the way that he is, uh, not yeah. as Strahd, just <laughs> the way that he is. He runs all of his campaigns that way. That's less um, good. Yeah. And uh, and uh, when he told me to, <laughs> to roll for a new character, I said, is anything off the table? He said, no. So I came in with an Asimir. Um, I forget. Uh, I forget what, what race I am. 
uh, Asimir is Asimir is the uh, angels. Yeah, they're the, um, celestials. As tieflings are to demons, Asmar are. Yeah. To so what he did angels. was uh, he didn't like that I chose an Asimir. So he decided that when the mists of Ravenloft swooped me in, it transformed me into a tiefling. Wow, that's rude. Yeah, wow. exactly. That's, that's yeah. a strong decision. Yeah. And I was, like, want, I was okay. That. I was okay. I was okay with that. Uh, to to a certain extent, I decided that, you know what? If you're going to make me demonic, I'm going to be fucking demonic. Yeah. So then I became kind of the evil character of the group and then kind of backed off from it a little bit. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we 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 did start a the the groups <laughs> because there's a lot of like children that are in trouble in Ravenloft. Yeah. So we started this whole thing. It became a running joke where we are um, Barovia CPS. <laughs> like anytime, anytime we go anywhere, if there is a child endangered, if there's something going on, we don't care about what else is going on. We are going and saving that child. So far. We have saved eight. So you're saying nice. you're better than actual CPS? Yes, exactly. <laughs> we are. We are more. We are more effective up. than regular CPS We're because sorry, we will CPS. kill uh, MFers if we have to. Yeah. Swords. Yeah. Yeah. Dan Reinhardt comments: There's a tiefling being played in critical role, and yes, tieflings are hot. I also play a tiefling. So yeah. I'm winking at the camera. Personally, I like yeah. As- I like Asmar myself. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do too. Asmar's I thought cool. they were they were kind of kind of neat, and I love the new uh, classes and characters on Critical Role too. Yeah. I, I, that is probably one of my favorite um, shows that, uh, you know, uh, with like D&D or whatever. It really, really got me like I was playing a little bit on the Friday nights and then I heard about Critical Role and I started watching it. And that's what really sucked me back in because I'm an actor. Um, I've done acting almost my entire life off and on. And, and having voice actors doing it, I'm like, yes. Yes, I it's love so this. Oh, yeah. I love this. It's yeah. a role-playing game. It, it is. a lot yeah. more I mean, fun it's, when you it's, Hell, I'd have to have you back on more often just to <laughs> keep everybody informed on Critical Role because <laughs> I don't I'm, watch Critical I'm a, Role. Yeah, I'm a really busy guy, and it's just hard to stuff a three-hour episode each week oh, into I, my schedule. Oh, I, 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 <laughs> I binged watched the entire first campaign. Jeez. Watched it all, and then in the downtime between the first campaign and the second campaign, I started binge-watching again. <laughs> And I just finished, uh, like last night, I just finished uh, campaign one again. But I've been also watching campaign two as it as it happens on Twitch, usually late on Thursday nights. So That's dedication. Then, you I, can't then buy. I then I then I then I feel horrible the next morning because I only get three hours of sleep. Oh, but it's worth it. <laughs> oh, definitely worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Dan Reiner also uh, comments. Do what I do. Listen to the podcast. Uh, listen to the episodes like a podcast while you work. And yeah, it's, uh, yes. I am blessed also with a job where you can do that. So sadly, I work yeah. construction. So if we're not listening to hip hop or metal, then you know everyone's just yeah. Then we're not listening to anything, right? If well, I were to, guys, to guys, just shouting. guys, you want to listen to D and D for a bit? We're trying to build a damn wall, <laughs> right? We don't have time for that. Um, no, I drive around a lot for my job. So when I'm in the car, I just have the. The podcast or YouTube or whatever up on, you know, plugged into the sound system. And sometimes I'll get weird looks when I stop at red lights and people are like, what the hell is he listening to? Because all of a sudden out of the car you hear, and then they're like, what? (laughs) Or or something silly happens and you're, you know. Yeah, and you're laughing laughing your ass off, yeah. Or I'm I'm bawling my eyes out because something sad has happened. Well, I mean, the thing is, the nice thing is that podcasts are getting more accepted in our society as time goes on. Oh, yeah. People know what podcasts are. It's going to be less of an issue in the future. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) agree. The future. So. The future is bright. (laughs) Um, Also, yeah, you did serve in the military, which is. I did. 
neat. <laughs> Happy about that. Uh, did you you have any fun D and D stories? Did you play any at all? Well, you we were... didn't we didn't play D and D when we were overseas, but um, my lieutenant uh, had a ton of Magic the Gathering cards. Oh, okay. So and there were a lot of other guys that had Magic the Gathering too. So we would have Magic tournaments, and there was one night where we were in the. Uh, um, Oh god, I can't even think of it because we we were on a little tiny base in the middle of freaking nowhere, like surrounded by mountains. Yeah, so Welcome we weren't to on Afghanistan. Yeah, we weren't on like a big base. Um, so we had just basically little tents that we you know we slept in, we ate in, we had our um, our recreation or whatever. Uh, and so we would go in there and uh, we were playing Magic the Gathering. And we heard this noise, and we were like, it sounded like, uh, if you guys know what a Connex is, uh, big shipping container, yeah. like yeah. metal shipping container. Yeah. It sounded like a Connex had fallen onto the ground. It was just this loud crash sound. And everybody's like, what the heck was that? And then we hear running, and we're like, what is going on? So we poke our heads, and they're like, we got incoming fire. We're like... Oh shit! Maybe we should get to a bunker. So we so we <laughs> ran we ran we ran to the bunker. We bunkered down. Like two more came in, and then it stopped. And then like immediately we dusted ourselves off. We we walked back, and we started playing Magic the Gathering again. Just like nothing had happened. <laughs> so you know? question: Yeah, since I'm the only one of these two uh, these three actually knows about Magic, what format did you guys play? Uh, I honestly don't know because I <laughs> not, I didn't buy the cards. Uh, my lieutenant just had like. Five, six, seven binders just full of cards, oh and he gave me a deck and just said, "This is what you're going to play with." Okay, that's and I'm fine. like, "Okay, fine." And I mean, and I hadn't, and I had so played magic. Table. Yeah. yeah, I hadn't played magic in a long time, um, and so uh, I was like really rusty with it. So I lost like almost all the time. Happens, but I didn't care. I was just a way to kill time. You know, I mean, there's a lot of time to waste. In the that desert, that and watching movies. And playing Nintendo 3DS, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Oh, yeah. Or, like, the three, like, activities that I did the most is, like, you know, leisure time. Oh, man. That brings some memories back. Ocarina of Time on the 3DS. Oh, Oh. yeah. Right. But (laughs) we've talked about that too much, I think. So, So, yes. So, uh, let's see. Uh, Also, opening up this week, um, I almost forgot to mention, there is a new Unearthed Arcana that has been released. Nothing exciting, no, like nothing super exciting. There's no new subclasses or anything, but it is basically um, stuff for DMs for woodland travel and yeah. basically how to, if your players get lost in the woods, how to make it even worse for them um, is the best Great. way it could be described. Yeah, it's about... Um, Rodents of unusual size. And then, spiders, you know. yeah, and then owl bears burst out of the woods. Yeah. Owl bear don't care. <laughs> we, we, on that Sunday game, I'm sorry, but on that oh, Sunday game, listening. Go we we uh, we have a uh, what's basically a miniature owl bear, and it's an actual regular size owl bear that uh, we have shrunken down to basically pet size. We keep it in this little cage. And we just like feed it, you know, whatever. And and the ranger's trying to train it so it'll become his pet. So yes. far, it hasn't worked, and he's lost one full finger, but the oh, rest of it's fine. How, how many half? Fingers? Appropriate. Well, no, one full finger because it's the same finger he keeps po- poking in there. Because he, if he loses more of that one, he doesn't care because he already lost a bit of it. But now uh, it's completely down to like you know the the yeah owlbears. the bottom yeah. yeah. Owl bears are remarkably <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Trickle down economics is a viable form of economic system. <laughs> um. So. Yeah. Uh. We'll link it and share it here. Uh. 
eventually. But there's a bunch of there's a bunch of really good stuff. I perused it pretty quickly today. It's just a lot of tables and charts for, you know, people getting lost and navigation checks and, you know, fun ways to like get all Avalon Hill outdoor survival. Charts. Yeah. The old first edition, you know, getting lost in the woods on the way back to town kind of stuff, Will this water which make you, make, you, make you poop. Honest, yeah. Which honestly, if you're, you know, like you haven't had time to prep for a game at all, just, you know, taking this table for a spin might be a good idea. It's like, oh, yeah, they were traveling through the woods. Let's get them lost. Tyrannosaurus Rex attacks. <laughs> I have no plans for today. <laughs> but... <laughs> Let's get on to the meat of the show. Uh, we are doing Villains Part 2, Electric Boogaloo, starring everybody here. So yeah, we're all here. Last week, Except yeah. Except for our temporary co-host, Clint. Yeah. <laughs> our sometimes host, Clint. We are technically two and a half DMs. Yeah. Uh, so last week we went over theory, you know, the archetypes, uh, what you expect you know what, like what you can expect and what you are putting into your villain. Um, also, including one of my favorite things, the conspiracy—a pyramid of conspiracies because it's fun. Um, you know, and how to set up organizations and how to how to do all the really boring stuff that isn't fun to tell your player. You know, that isn't fun to tell players about um, unless you enjoy being a DM, where you're just sitting there and you're just like, oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do that. Oh, oh there's a bunch oh, of people getting the paid. possibilities. Yeah, this Black is money. this is the sexy stuff. This is the this is the sexy part of villain DMing. This is HR. <laughs> yeah, this is using it. This is actually using it in practice. Yeah, not using the theory, using it in practice. So, let's start off, Paul, because I'm gonna. I want you to lead this off. What is your like? What is your idea of a perfect villain? What is your favorite kind of villain to play? <clears throat> I like playing the villain who completely is messing with the pl- the PCs and doesn't actually let them know what's going on. They're playing with them. Every time a player does something, it's actually so- somewhat feeding into their plan. In fact, in one of my recent games, I had a-, a villain who was manipulating the PCs the entire time because every time she showed up, she would erase the memories of the PC who had met her and she would give them instructions while they were, you know – What's the word? Unable to respond. After they got hit by that men in black stuff. Yeah, so they'd, they they'd been erased and they said, you're going to do this now. And they'd have to do it. Yeah. And the the players would know what happened, but the PCs wouldn't. So it was a great moment of tension when the players are doing stupid – the PCs are doing stupid stuff that the players knew was stupid, but it's also what they had to do. Okay. So it's sort of a, a meta like – what's the word? A pathos? Yeah. Like they knew bad things were happening, but they couldn't do anything about it because they thought good things were happening in character. No, that's actually – that's really interesting. Um, you got to have good role players for that though. Yeah, no. You do have to have people who aren't just going to be, you know – Yeah, my Friday group is excellent role players. They're probably the best I've ever had, honestly. But. Well, thanks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, no. I, I'm complimenting them. They're listening. Yeah. Come on. Um, no, that's good. Uh, so how does um, – what would you like view your process as, I guess, for the villain creation? So – a villain has to have a motivation. They have to have means and they have to have, well, a reason to be a huge jerk because yeah. all villains are huge jerks unless you're players in an evil campaign in which they're just people trying to stop them from doing horrible things. Um, a villain has to have a reason to do things. They need to have a motivating reason. In this case, the villain I'm talking about had the reason that she wanted to change how the city worked. Right. She wanted people to change how they acted. OK. They had to have a way to do it. And her ability was she could erase people's memories and rewrite what they would do on their person. Like she'd write, you're going to say this to this person on their chest and they would have to do it. Memento style. Yes. Bitchin'. But evil. <laughs> but evil. Memento. And the bigger reason, of course, is that she's being manipulated by an evil darker power. 
And I think, of course, of course. Is, I think you have to notice is that um, players are often going to do things that make – that completely change what you're going to do. Yeah. Because players are a lot more inventive than you are when it comes to doing no. things that wreck your game. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, because the quote is from that German general whose name I always forget, no plan survives contact with the enemy. Klauswitz, I believe. Or if you're going to go with Mike Tyson, it's – Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth? No, you said it wrong. Everybody had the plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's All how right. you're supposed to say it. So – the thing you have to understand is that the villains are not going to be able to plan properly. So the problem is, of course, is many villains are smarter than you are. So a dragon, for example, is intelligence like 30 or something. Yeah. And they're it being generous. I'm intelligence 16. Uh, <laughs> and that's – I'm tooting my own horn here. Uh, toot, toot. I'm not intelligence 30. <laughs> so how are you going to plan that? The answer is that a, a villain needs to be able to interpolate things and you need to sort of do that Sherlock Holmes things of, oh, well, you're dressed like this and you've also got dust in your hands, which means that you've recently cleaned something, you've searched something, which means that you're going to do this thing. You or, use those little gray cells as Poros. Yeah. Or just cheat. Yeah, just cheat. <laughs> if you're playing a super smart villain. If you're playing a super smart villain, just cheat. It's they. You can't possibly be as smart as your villain is. So just say, oh, they know what happened because they extrapolated and they're smarter than you. So they figured yeah. it out. Because he's a wizard. Yeah, no, well, I, that's what I've had to do. I mean, I've been using... They're three steps ahead of you. Yeah, I've been using Vecna um, now for the last five months because after uh, after my players in my Wednesday game uh, beat my favorite villain I had ever made, uh, they, uh, sorry, you know, they... they are, you, are you running a Taldori campaign? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Sadly. Uh, no, it's... Uh, I, I was just like, I was wondering what could really challenge them next because, so their first villain, and I guess to get into my side of things, my my favorite villain to run to use on players is a narcissist because, again, I, I do love a very role-play-heavy campaign. Mm-hmm. I love a lot of political interaction and action. Um, and I love when all my players get into character and we're all having that good time. But especially when I get to have a few drinks, I get to play the villain and I just get to tell them how I'm better than them the entire time for about 30 minutes. You oh, know, yeah. just for every interaction they have with that villain, I can just sit there and just go, you, you're nothing. You're shit. You're garbage. You're literally beneath me. Look at me. I'm better than you. I'm better at everything. I'm better in every conceivable way. And also, that really, really pisses players off. Oh, it's yeah. one of the easiest ways I've ever found to just piss off a player because, you know, I usually – I like to throw a lot of softballs. To my players, you know, because they're supposed to be badass action heroes. Oh, yeah. And you want them to feel like badass action heroes. You know, look at that. You single-handedly want a bar fight with nothing more than a stick and a can-do attitude. I mean, Dungeons & Dragons is a game which you have random people ascending to become uber-powerful characters. So Yeah. And so... This isn't Dark Heresy where you're going to struggle to have a fist fight with, you know, a random hobo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but I love the idea then that... Or where it makes it super easy for players to get... Their Jimmy's rustled, if you will, is, you know, you just play it for me. I just have to play a narcissist, turn up the smack talk button until it breaks and then just watch them just go. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to stab him. Just let me at him. Let I'm me at murder. him. Watch. I'm, I'm going to kick his ass so hard. Just watch. Like I've literally had my players like, I mean, uh, Jim, obviously you would not know him, but Helen, Paul, you both know Tom. Oh, yes. I, uh, <laughs> my beloved, uh, my beloved vampire, uh, Oliver Risen once told that paladin straight to his face that he was nothing. And then, you know, he's like, he's not going to be able to do a damn thing. And Tom was literally walking around the room, like acting like he was getting ready to hit me. He was so mad. He's like, just let me at him, dude. I just want to tear him apart. Just let me at him. Let me uh, fight him, Jake. <laughs> let me fight I, him right now. <laughs> it's one of the things that, uh, uh, this is completely only somewhat off topic, but. 
people tend to play characters that have something in common with them. Yeah. So if you insult that thing, that tends to make them very upset. But the good thing is usually that makes them upset at the character, not at the game master. Yeah. No, which again works perfectly. And is, obviously don't go for the really weak points in a person. That's kind I'm of big weird. on narcissists though because um, they're fun because again, you just get to – you sit down at your weekly you know, playing a game drinking session and then you just – as the DM, you instead just of being like low key roast your players, yeah, just low key, yeah, just send all of them to the burn unit. <laughs> <laughs> low and but, slow. Yeah. But Jim, yes, you're a game master. Yes. What kind of villains do you like playing? So I like to level my camp, especially my campaigns. One shots, you know, it's a different story. But yeah. my campaigns, I have three different levels of villains. Every player has a nemesis. Who is a villain to them and them specifically? It's a good like choice. That. So, just as a quick question, how many? Yeah. How big are your games? Uh, usually, uh, like the Friday night game, there's five, okay. five players. Some maybe now there's six. There's maybe a guy that's going to join us. Okay. Uh, but about five players. So every yeah, six player is about as big as you could get. Yeah, f- uh, five players. Um, but every character has a nemesis. Now, whether or not they ever meet their nemesis. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It just depends on happenstance, where they are. And every NPC that I create, I give a life. So in between game sessions, I'm saying, okay, they're going here, they're doing this, because this is why, and blah, blah, blah. Until And if they just happen to be where uh, their, their nemesis is, they might actually meet up. Unless they're specifically, yeah, specifically <laughs> pursuing them. Do they uh, know they have a nemesis? No, they don't. Uh, well, one one Sometimes. one one knows that she has a nemesis because she's being chased and she's on the run. So, question: um, Yeah, are you saying nemesis? Do you? I, it sounds like you mean the historical, like the mythological meaning of nemesis is in your evil twin. So no. To speak. no, 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 no. So, nemesis means like I'll give you an example. So, I, I have a uh, I have a fighter who. His backstory, and I always use the backstories to come up An with the nemesis. Choice. Yeah, again, let so, your players do the work. For right, you. exactly. So his backstory was that he uh, he was a dungeon delver. He'd go in, he'd get you know these riches, and uh, uh, and he'd take them and sell them for the thing, uh, sell them for profit. And that was like his thing before this campaign kicked off. Well, his He's nemesis, his nemesis was this elf that was. And when he asked him, who are you? He said, I'm you five minutes later because the nemesis was the guy that found the same secret crypts that that the character did, had gone in there and found that it had already been looted by the character. And every time he got to a new location, he found that it had been looted by that character. So then he became obsessed with him to the mm. point where he was going to track him down and end him <laughs> because so he couldn't get robbed. So he further. couldn't so he couldn't because that's how he saw it. He yeah. saw it as he was being robbed scared. of all this time and energy that he had put in to find these places and then turns out that nope, that guy got there just before he did and if he had been 5, 10, 15 minutes sooner, he could have been the one to loot the place. Right. So when I say nemesis, that's what I mean. Is yeah. somebody who has a vendetta against that character for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. second uh, level of villain is the villain that doesn't know they're a villain. Okay. Uh, it's the villain that is being manipulated by a higher power. Uh, they are a bad guy, but they don't know they're a bad guy because a good villain 
always thinks that they are the hero of their own story. Yeah. Nobody believes they are the villain of their own they, story. Nobody believes that they are the villain of their own story. They are always the hero of, the, of their own story. And they're doing what they feel is correct yeah. for whatever reason. So that's like the second level of villain. Then there's the third level of villain, which is what the they big baddie. The big baddie, the top tier villain. Uh, that is everything pulling... so far has been according to my plan. Right, exactly. And those, even they, are the hero of their own story. But the the their motivations, you know, might be strictly: I want to become the most powerful being in the universe, and yeah. I will do whatever it takes to make that happen. Yeah, um, and I'll but, make the world a better place when it happens. And I will make the better world a. Uh, I will make the world a better place. Like uh, the campaign that I'm running on Friday night uh, now. The big bad is actually um, uh, well for the very end campaign, and the, the characters aren't going to get there for a while. But the big bad is going to end up being uh, basically this uh, is um, a god yeah. uh, that have basically the the concept is um, uh, he wants to destroy the material plane and reshape it in his own image. Break the divine gate so that he can cross and basically turn the material plane into his own playground. And by doing that, he can control everything and there will be no more wars. There will be no more poverty because they will all be beholden to him. He will wipe out strife and grief and all that kind of stuff like that because – he will be able to control everything. But in order to do that, he has to destroy the world. Now. That's basically what it is. Progress will be possible without change. Yep. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Beholden to the dawn machine. <laughs> <coughs> the sun, the sun, the sun, the sun. Um, the sun. Yeah. No, so – yeah, we did uh, that. We we did a lot of harping on that last week. Of you know, best villains are villains who don't think they're the villains, um, which is again like whenever you're doing your writing for your villains, you know, just as a like brief, you know, back to last week, you know, make sure they they seem reasonable unless they have a really good reason to be like comic book ridiculous. If, if you're right, talking like yeah. the Reapers from Mass Effect, they can be completely incomprehensible and have motivations that don't make any sense. But again, you have to cheat to make that make sense. Like, oh yeah, they they just know what you're planning. They know it in advance because they're smarter than you. Yeah, but otherwise, you have to make a character like or A has can, to follow from B. Or you can just ruin the Reapers from Mass Effect in five minutes at the end of Mass Effect Three and just make the entire series completely worthless. Yeah. Thanks, Bioware. <laughs> I love you. I did once. Um, I still do. I, I still the Bioware do. that existed doesn't exist anymore. I'm yeah, afraid. I know. It's just I had so much love in my heart, and it was just turned to ash. It's just <laughs> it's gone. But um, we can have an entire episode. Yeah, we crap can, talking about Mass Effect. No, we'll, we'll make that YouTube video of just me and you, Paul, standing across a room from each other, just shouting about how what Mass Effect Three did to us, <laughs> and how hurt I am. I'll even bring AJ on the show as a guest star just to why, but. Back, back, Moving back on. to yeah, back to the main villain theme. Back so, to yeah, uh, but that actually is a good point too. That is another one of my favorite, like just as a thing to table. One of my favorite villain types, other than you know the very confrontational, you know, like Lord or like you know the vampire or whatever that you know your players constantly bump into. Like he's a physical presence. You know, he shows up and he's. You know, like a good example. Oh, I'm is, better than you. Oh, suck it. Well, a good example is actually Strahd from Curse of Strahd, because if you read through the adventure, 
and you read like how to role play Strahd. Like it even says it's like Strahd is literally supposed to be in your face twenty five eight. Like he watches. He's everything. got nothing better to do. He he is vampire emo Santa Claus. Okay, he knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So. Be good for goodness sake. Oh, he kind of wants to die also. Yeah, he so. also kind of wants to die, but he also kind of wants love, and he also kind of feels bad about murdering his brother, but also totally thinks his brother deserved it. Strahd is a great villain because he is just a mess of contradictions, and the only person that makes sense to is Strahd. And, it, like, it sh- he shouldn't be a good villain because of it, but he's actually a great villain because of it because you can you can take him any which direction you want to. And, and, and if you – and it was Strahd – Depending on how the players react, depending on how you play him, Strahd can actually become a very sympathetic character. Yeah. Strahd can even be the good guy. And and, and that's the other thing, too, is if you if you depending on how you want to play it, you can make Strahd be the good guy yeah. in the story and that the heroes are actually the villains. Thankfully, yeah. Strahd is here to save the world from the protagonists. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but Apart from those like very confrontational villains, which is uh, which I still think that the best villains normally are confrontational. But I can talk about non-confrontational villains. I've run a couple of them. Yeah. I was going to say, though, that's my other favorite to run. The mysterious, the Reaper type from Mass Effect. The We are beyond your comprehension. Yeah. The Eldritch being. We have no end. Yeah. The Eldritch being, the Lovecraftian type stuff, cosmic horror. Um Basically, mind flayers is what I'm getting at. Our creator and our destroyer. Yeah. Mind flayers or the elder brain? Kind of, yeah. I mean, both. Well, okay. okay. Technic- well, mind flayers serve the elder brain. I was going to say, because mind flayers to me are very, uh, I mean, if you're going to put a mind flayer into the campaign for any reason, they're usually going to be very prevalent It because they are doing the actions of the elder brain. And the elder no. brain is the thing that's in the background. It's like intelligence 40 or something. Yeah, like. No. Pulling all the strings or it's whatever. More than that. Yeah. It's not even pulling all the strings. It's pulling all of your strings too and you don't even realize it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. No, but I, I love – what I love about the Mind Flayer um, because they're easily – they're the best example I think in the Monster Manual and uh, like just the presented material that we have if, without going into homebrewy stuff. Um, but they are the best example of something that's alien yes. in it's the Monster Manual just for edition. to us. Yeah, like their goals, their motivations, you can present them in a way that everything they're doing doesn't make sense because you have Orc Warchief, right? You know, if he's going to be – if Orc Warchief is going to be your villain, he wants three things. He wants more land. He wants more power. He wants, you know, more blood maybe, you know. More blood maybe. Yeah, Just maybe. 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 He, he, he could touch a gun that. If he gets more land and more power, he could pass in the blood. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, he – an Orc Chieftain's goals are very simple. Uh, You know, a king from a rival country, his goals are very simple. Mind he flayers, wants your land. Yeah, mind flayers start showing up, leaving you know empty heads, putting uh, uh, what are they called? The their little brain dog things. The, the in- intellect devourers. Yes. anyone who knows Neverwinter Nights would know. Yeah, you know, intellect devourers start taking people over. Um, you know, you've got the body snatchers we reviewed earlier. Yeah, reviewed you earlier. The, you play the classic gag on your players. What is this? You know, brain sucker doing? It's starving. Yeah, you know, yeah, the. Uh, the brain sucker, yeah, a bunch of bodies with their brains sucked out of their heads and stuff. It creates a great, terrifying mystery, and it's one of those things like where I love them as a villain is the more you learn, you find the less you know. Like you mm-hmm. can find a bunch of their writing, you know, and mm-hmm. it even says in the Monster Manual, everything it says about illithid writing is like it's kind of like Braille and it's really hard to understand. You know, you could – and they rarely take notes, but say you do find a note, you know, and stuff, and it's like – 
It's Sanskrit. Yeah, it's yeah. Sanskrit, and you finally, you know, you it's take it Sanskrit to a wizard as described by the uh, the schizophrenic. Yeah. yeah, you take it to a wizard, you get it decoded and huh, broken I down, and, this means. and it turns out it you still actually know even less than you did going in, or they That's give nuts. you some ominous, you know, just like they describe six or seven organizations of which you know nothing about and all how they relate to this object. Yeah, and then suddenly it's just like, okay, what? yeah. I yeah. thought I thought it was just fighting Illithids. Now I'm fighting six different sects within the Illithid, right? About what they're doing. Yeah, no, I absolutely adore doing that because. For a mystery campaign. Now, granted, you usually need, like, another antagonist at the same time kind of driving things, but, like, and have that just going as a constant subplot just, like, right underneath the surface and every now and again, you know, hey, Mind Flayers show up. That and Mind Flayers are just terrifying because, I mean, one of them is a CR7. You have yeah. ten of them show yeah, up. Every... without class levels. Yeah. Like, your average Illithid peasant is CR7. Yeah. <laughs> your, you, yeah, the Bruce Willis of <laughs> Illithids is, like, CR15. He's crawling through your, uh, your vents and pulling your brains out of your head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> throwing people off a roof. Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Candle Nights. <laughs> yeah. Happy Candle Nights. yippee ki <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Don't try to push me. <laughs> An adventurer tried to push me once. I ate his brain with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> <laughs> no, Illithids, Illithids are a lot of fun uh, just because they are that. And then, yeah, you know, I've taken some time to do, like, I've done some Lovecraftian stuff because mm. old gods are scary. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Old gods are scary and spooky. Oh, yeah. I mean, the love, the, the Illithids are just, you know, the random peasants as far as uh, Azazoth is concerned. The crawl, the nuclear chaos at the heart of the world. Yeah. The heart, yeah, in the center of universe where... You know, demons dance around him, piping their musics, and it just just grows. prevent him from awaking. Yeah, and he just grows and grows and grows. Damn, I wish Lovecraft wasn't such a racist. Otherwise, he'd be a lot more accepted and more in culture. Well, I mean, the thing is, but the best things about Lovecraft were not written by Lovecraft. I guess. Very true. Oh well, he talks so much about how much he hates fish and squid. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> The man's dead. We need to have a little respect, Paul. Yeah, but I mean, he looks like he swallowed a frog in every picture you've taken. I mean, you ain't wrong. Picture you've taken. You ain't wrong. So, all right, <laughs> enough of that. I, but, I mean, I'll stop insulting the dead here. Yeah, so. yeah. Let's stop insulting Lovecraft and let's get back to what we're doing. So, um, other fun villains that anybody has run here. Anybody other got any? Uh, I I did. Uh, it was a two shot campaign. I did one where the adventurers uh, met up with a guy. And they were told they had to go kill the big bad on the other side of the continent because he was poisoning the land and so on and so forth. And uh, they went there and they killed the big bad only to find out that the original guy who gave him the quest was actually the big bad and that they had just killed the only thing keeping him at bay. So then they had to go up against the real big bad who had been manipulating them the whole time. So it's like Saruman told them, hey, go kill this Gandalf guy. He's a jerk. So, yeah, it ba- basically what it, yeah, basically. Got a deal, what, an offer you can't refuse. Yeah. So basically what it was is, you know, he, he brought them and said, you know, this thing is poisoning our lands. And, and, and it was kind of funny too, because it could have gone south real fast, but I had them, uh, uh, the entire land was under an enchantment and they had to make every so often I would make them make a wisdom saving throw. If they succeeded on a DC of, um, of uh, I think it was a DC of like twenty five. 
uh, they would have noticed that what they saw was corruption was actually like very beautiful and and the corruption was actually more where the other guy was, but they all failed all of their checks. So they killed the big the big bad only to find out. So then they had to go on a quest to kill the big bad. And that was the whole thing was I wanted them to specifically get so angry that they had been manipulated that they would just immediately attack him without a plan. And if they had done that, it would have been a TPK. But they took a second and they went, you know, we're coming after you. And uh, they organized, they got other groups together and then went after him. And then they were able to just barely defeat him, but they were able to defeat him. There you go. Yeah. And he was uh, uh, an uh, arch druid. Oh, yeah. I think – Sorry, gone. I'm, I completely no. stalled on my line of thought there. There you so. go. Well, I was going to say too, though. I mean, I do. That is something I don't see people do a lot of in the back of Volos and the Monster Manual. And also, there's some, if you have the uh, Tome of Beasts by Kobold Pressed as well, there is a bunch of like just stat blocks for human NPCs or human or, you know, standard race yeah. NPCs. Mm-hmm. And. Like I never, like I never see that get used enough because oh, there's I so use much those all the time. Yeah, it's I know I love so weird them is that you um, you can have a dragon as your villain, but that gets kind of old. You can have a lich as your villain, like it's kind of old. But the end of an end, like a 15 level NPC, is probably going to be one of your standard races as like a wizard, cleric, or druid. Yeah, because they can just say, "Oh, you're going to scry or die me." Too bad I'm a mile away, and there's sixteen thousand skeletons waiting for you right. at the end of your teleport goal. Yeah. Yeah, and that and I use I use a lot of those like as uh, as like minor, not I won't even call them villains. They're just the bad guys, more of an antagonist, an antagonist. So like uh, in the in the Friday night campaign, um, the the characters were sent off on a quest to take this prince to this mystical land that they had just heard rumors about, and the entire time that they're going there, they're constantly being attacked by these cultists who use bandits as kind of their like intermediaries. Yeah, they're yeah. like they're like go get that kid. So the bandits go and they're just basically the cannon fodder for the thing while the yeah. cultists are trying to do whatever. But the cultists are actually working for another person who's actually working for another person who's but working I use, for an evil god. Yeah. Who's working for an evil god. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um have, have any of you ever read the Deathgate cycle by I have not. Wait, wait Deathgate cycle. Deathgate cycle. Uh so basically um uh, there, uh, the world was blown up, um, and uh, uh, nuclear war. The world was blown up, so all magic came back. The world, uh, the races, you know, dwarves, elves, all that stuff like kind of came back. And then this group of magic users called the Sartan sundered the world, created four realms: earth, water, fire, air. And then created this labyrinth where they put their enemies in. And the the entire thing takes place with this one character named Haplo, which goes around and he's trying to, like, basically um, figure out how to, like, open up the death gate uh, so that his uh, master can – can uh, uh, have control of the have control of the worlds and all kinds like that. But anyways, so I basically use that concept – um, to uh, uh, create uh, the universe that uh, my Friday Night campaign is. So right now, they're in the air world, not knowing that there is more worlds, but they're kind of coming to the end of they're going to realize that, hey, there's other places to go. And I'm using that as kind of like my setting 
for right. the uh, for the thing. So makes sense. the whole the whole point of it, the whole point of everything is the cultist wanted to capture the prince because he carries a key to unlocking the chains, which then will release. Uh, the God Bane, the the evil God Bane, the God of yeah. Destruction, God, which which is which Forgotten is, Realms, right? Yep. Uh, uh, is he forgotten yeah. Realms? yeah. Well, no. Uh, right now he's just in the the Pantheos as being mm. a god. A de- it's a minor right. god, but a god. Yeah. Just take um, whatever you want. Yeah. So they're gonna release Bane so that uh, uh, he can destroy the material plane, um, and so that Asmodeus can bring it back together and create another level of hell in the material plane. Okay. So that, that, but I'm using a lot of like the, 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 like you said, Volos, stuff like that. The, the, those human type characters as the cannon fodder for all this other stuff that's going on. And rarely do they ever come up against actual monsters um, per se, because monsters are easy. They're evil. You know, they have no other yeah. motivations for the most part except being – Until you send I, them against I, 2D6 flumps and then they feel bad <laughs> about killing them. Right, exactly. Because everybody loves a flump. Right, exactly. Oh, no, you turn those down. They're helpless. Oh, no. Okay. So, guys, we're going to take a break really quick. But before we go on break, uh, you know, this is going to be a quick little five-minute deal so we can refresh our drinks and all that stuff, hit the potty because uh, we're going for another 45 minutes today. So, yeah. Uh, but before we do that, just a reminder, we've got a giveaway going on. Once we reach 500 likes on our Facebook page. Three DMs podcast at Facebook. Yeah, we learned today, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) If you could post that in the chat, please. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, if you head to our Facebook page and give us a like, uh, once we hit 500 likes, we are going to give away one book to two different people. So, you know, one book for each person. Obviously, I'm not going to make you share it. This isn't custody rights or anything. You're not going to divorce court over this. once we get to 500 likes, though, we're going to give away two books to two lucky listeners. Um, and you, any book you want, uh, as long as it's a 5e book, the only and thing. not a special edition book. Yep, we're not going to give away any special editions because those are like 200 bucks on eBay. And, you we're know, not like, that rich. The price varies, but, you know, sometimes they get up there. So, sorry. Um, sorry yes. But, yeah, no, help us grow our page. If you like the content, give us a like, give us a share, uh, tell your friends, tell your mama, tell anybody you want. But. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. When we get back, we are going to, I think we're going to have our first Thunderdome, gentlemen, and we are going to passionately defend what makes the best villain in 5e. Okay. So stick around, guys. We're going to go get some drinks. We'll be right back. Go like our Facebook page. We love you. We'll see you soon. See you soon. (laughs) I was going to briefly have a moment to talk about since... You're, a, you're the underhand fighter. We're back undercard. now. Okay. You're the undercard fighter. I was going to talk undercard, about yeah. uh, the monk very briefly before we get back into things. Sure. Do, do you think that it would be possible for, say, example, a monk subclass where they use fighting, uh, like strength instead of wisdom for their abilities? Where they, instead of having, oh, you're so in tune with your key, you can slide up walls. You're so ripped, you can slide down walls slower. Um, <laughs> Your muscles just grip the walls okay. like a damn gecko. I, 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 I. See, here's the thing. It, it depends on on how you're looking at it. So a lot of the monk class and a lot of like martial arts where a lot of MMA came out of 
uh, is based on uh, Eastern philosophies, philosophies of Japan, China, Korea, places like that. And India they are, especially. But. Yeah, in, in India. Uh, but they are very much in tuned with the, the inner body, the, the chi of the, uh, the inner body. And that mysticism is what plays heavily into the monk class. Um, and also, uh, you know, I mean, some people say that, that, uh, Bruce Lee, for exa- example, he, he had the one inch punch. Some people are saying that it was just the physics behind it that he could push people back from one inch. He could punch you and you go flying back, you know, a good five, ten feet or whatever. Um, other people say that he was channeling his chi into his hand and then punching and it was the chi that was pushing them back. Both are kind of relevant. So I can see a monk class where it's strength-based. But at the same time, if you do that, then you're you're kind of taking away the mysticism of the monk and the whole wisdom and the wisdom saving throws and all the effects that you can put on the body. Um, and, and then you're getting away. Then you would have, okay, well, so you're not using key anymore. So how does that relate to all these different abilities that the monk could have? So yeah. I kind of like what they did with the monk class. I, 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 I like that it's a good balance. I agree with that, but I feel like many Dungeons & Dragons players have this sort of problem with Eastern philosophy. They see many people complain that the monk doesn't fit because they have to add this Eastern stuff to their Western European fantasy. <laughs> and I want the equivalent of like Heracles where you just punch somebody so hard they just die. <laughs> I, see, well, I, don't, I, I don't necessarily agree with that because the bard – uh, is very much a an Eastern philosophy uh, archetype. The the concept of using song and dance to weave spells or or stuff like that actually comes from uh, the No Theater of Japan. Comes yeah. from the um, I, I don't know the actual name, but I'll call it Bollywood uh, out of India. And um, I don't know either. I'm an Eastern history major, so I should really know this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. I can't think but of no, it either. I, I but know, I know what you're talking about. Actually. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, Many people, so, of course, argue that the Bard is an evolution of the Skull, the Nor- uh, Norse uh, song poets. Well, it they it borrows a little bit from that, but I see the Bard being more of the. Um, uh, you know, the an example. So geishas, geishas, their songs are supposed to have healing quality and that's why they train for so long. So, you know, the bards, when they sing, when they inspire somebody, it it comes from the, – the inspiration I think of the bard comes more from the Nordic uh, philosophies and the healing, the uh, manipulating of the energies kind of comes more from – the Eastern, you know, kind of uh, philosophies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and clerics actually, <laughs> clerics are uh, like the original clerics were actually Muslim. Yeah, of course. Yeah, That's so I mean, call like a, a Muslim. Scholar. Although I'm sure yeah, many people would exactly. debate that strenuously because well, they don't like thinking about uh, Muslims having anything any positive contribution. Right? Actually, if we had so uh, in the military, I was a combat medic, and so and I've uh, studied medicine. For quite a while now, and it's sad. But if Western philo- if Western society, Western society had adapted, yeah, I well, I know we're on video. That's yeah, why I, I did the air quotes. Yes. Um, if they had adapted the uh, practices of 13th century Muslim. Uh, physicians, yeah, the Muslim physicians during the Muslim Golden Age. During the Muslim Golden Age, 
Uh, like there would like things like the Black Plague would have never happened. Well, they would have happened because, been a lot lesser. Well, honestly. not necessarily because they the one of the philosophies, especially of the Muslims and stuff like that, is that when there is a rat population, when there's anything that can cause disease, you immediately exterminate it before it gets too big. Yeah, you get it out of there. You get it out of there. You keep things clean. You wash your utensils before you use them. You sterilize your uh, uh, medical equipment. You know, we we as a Western society didn't reach what they were doing in the 13th century until the late, late 1800s. I think I actually agree. it was Avicenna who um, removed a kidney stone uh, on, I think, himself. Yeah. Uh, and then lived several more years. I, and think, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so poisoned. thank you for that. I, yeah, I, so, right. I think my personal belief is before we move on to yeah. the actual topic of this episode is, I feel the the obsession with what somebody could realistically do, binding monks and rangers and pals and stuff, is going to be the death of this hobby. Well, and here's the thing, and this is what I always I always say: you're arguing over semantics on something where dragons exist, magics <laughs> exist, and you can literally jump off of a mountain, right. and if you roll high enough, you can just. Fly As someone for would, no other reason than you rolled a natural twenty. Because you, you have yeah. a spell called fly. As a medievalist, whenever somebody's like, "Oh, it's not historically accurate to have black people in something," I'm like, "This game has dragons." Yeah, yeah. Come it fly, has mind flares. It has elder brains. If I mean, you're willing you, to have like, uh, you have to suspend disbelief. I'll fight you on the moon. Yeah, exactly. So. But. Thank you for that. I appreciate okay. it. You're welcome. Anyways, I, I agree with your philosophy. Right. Wrapping we should move on. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, just my my couple of bits because uh, you, you guys had it all tight, you know, pretty packed, pretty tight there, hard to get in a word in. Um, one, barbarian monks are a thing. You can do barbarian monk uh, multi-class in 5e. You could, yes. And, uh, well, I played one to great effect. Yeah. Uh, I had an NPC and I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd lightly planned him, you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, this just sounds like fun. Yeah. And he showed up to help the party, you know, and yeah. he was... Basically, the sumo wrestler. Yeah, was, you know that, mm-hmm. that's how I justified him. You know, he's a monk, but he's you know six mm-hmm. foot eight, four hundred pounds. You know, he's 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 a big yeah, old yeah. guy, and uh, he's not so much redirecting the strength as he's just punching you in the face. As he's just punching, yeah. And I just you know I gave him like some simple magical gauntlets as his weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, and then like he did like a hundred with his flurry of blows and stuff. He did wound up doing like a hundred and twelve damage. In I one turn. I did a monk druid one time. That's a good choice. And when you can B-shape and do flurry of blows, oh, ooh, oh, I'm just imagining gets, a bear like, yeah. taking a kung fu stance and just beating the shit out of <laughs> it people. It was basically, <laughs> actually, just to make it fun, we decided that pandas existed in the, in the kung world. Kung fu panda, oh, thank nice. you. And I became kung fu panda. Nice. I became Poe. Hell yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> actually, that's really good. Couldn't think of it because uh, all attacks yeah. from a wild shape are unarmed attacks. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So you're using flurry of blows as well as unarmed attack. You still get to roll the monk die. And, and this is why Clint yeah. calls monks bullshit. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it, <laughs> Angel Summoner and yeah. BMX Bandit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. We need to share that uh, video for our viewers later to the Angel Summoner BMX Bandit because we referenced that way too much so in good. case people don't know what it is. Um, I don't also, know what it is. Yeah, it's, we'll, we'll send we'll, it to okay. you. We'll, we'll share it. It's, it's good. Right. It's good stuff. We'll show you after. Yeah. Uh, All right. But so. Let's get everything back on track. Uh, hey, welcome back. We're 3DM's podcast, and we're doing the second half of our show right now. Um, yada, we've yada, talked yada, yada. about our off-topic yep, stuff. Yep, we've so. talked enough about our, uh, our off-topic stuff. Again, for anybody who's joining in now and doesn't know what's going on, 
I'm Jake. That's Paul. Uh, this is Helen. Clint couldn't be here today. And Jim from the Undercard is joining yes. us today. Tuesday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on podcastdetroit.com. Thank I'll you. I was going to say. So, uh, yeah, if you really quick, just because you are sharing the studio space with us, yeah. and I plan on sharing the studio space with you mm-hmm. soon. Yes. Um, you know, just uh, give anybody who is listening right now. Uh, you know, anybody who might be interested, just uh, give them the rundown of the show. Uh, so basically, we were one of the first, if not the first, uh, podcast to combine both boxing and MMA. Uh, we cover both. We also, uh, because we are a bunch of nerds and geeks and stuff like that, we do talk geek culture, nerd culture, pop culture, current events, things of that nature. But mostly our focus is with boxing and uh, MMA. We've been, uh, on in April, we will have been... Uh, doing it for five years. Um, we actually wow. started in the way back in the day. We started with Dave and Bob, the guys that founded uh, Podcast Detroit. Dave um, was our very first guest. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we started at a, a old studio called Raw Radio X I, in the uh, Russell. My and, band went and yeah. uh, did Karen's show back okay, in the day. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so, so at the Russell. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then when Dave and, and Bob left and started Podcast Detroit, we came with them. Uh, we went. We were at the old Ferndale location, and then came here when uh, they came here. So, yep, in April it'll be five years. I think we're on episode two hundred and thirty-five or something like that. Wow! wow. I, I so, only yeah. got one hundred nineteen on your SoundCloud, by the way. Yeah, well, that's because all the shows before we started at the Ferndale uh, thing were not podcasts; they were wow. just live uh radio we yeah. not, we didn't go into podcast format until we joined up with podcast detroit okay so that's why yeah and and some of them and there there are some lost episodes where we thought we were recording and it went out live <laughs> but it didn't record it's okay we, uh, we're yeah. only 17 episodes in we already have two lost episodes <laughs> yeah no we've had that happen twice nice so yeah, okay, yeah, so anybody wants to get MMA boxing yep. news, go check out the undercard. Yep, and uh, like I said, we're on live uh, Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in Studio One. Uh, if you go to the Podcast Detroit website, you'll have a list of studios. We are in Studio One. Excellent. I'll have yeah. to make sure to check it out. I've got nothing else going on that time, so. Yeah, yeah and, you know, and I should be on, uh, should be on hopefully this Tuesday. Sure, so yeah, absolutely. The... And and I've tried to explain to Brad what D&D is. And Rochelle, but they're like, oh, good. We'll have somebody come on who can explain D&D to us. And I'm like, I have been trying to explain it to you. And they're like, I, yeah, I will. But- I will do my best to legitimize your endeavor. <laughs> okay. I, I was actually going to even, if if it was like, just have you guys make like a really tiny, like <laughs> brief character and just have like an encounter happen during the show so they could actually physically see uh-huh. what exactly happens oh, during D and D. Yeah. Oh, oh no. I, I would session during that, don't I? I can bring them on. Well, we could do that. I was I was just thinking Well, like, it would just be a short little ten minute like blurb of okay, so you walk in, you see this, roll blah blah blah, blah, roll for initiative. Oh, trust me, this no, is I've, what happens. I've already yeah. got a plan. I've already got a plan and it's okay. gonna be great. Just, All right, perfect. Just, just let me know if I need to bring my book or books or dice. No, I'll bring we my books. I'll, okay. I'll I'll I've got the kit. I've got the fisherman's bag over there. Right. So but moving on with the show, yeah. um before we started today. Uh, since we knew we were going to talk about villains before we get into the Thunderdome of what is the best monster. Thunderdome. Ma- yeah, monster. Uh, what is the best monster manual villain? Um, I asked you a question, Jim. 
Yes. If you could take any martial artist, mm-hmm. boxer, MMA person, other than Conor McGregor, because Conor McGregor is the easiest answer right, I could course. think of, you know, because he's yeah. he's such a lovable dick. Mm-hmm. Um, if you he's could a make heel, he's the best heel. Yeah, if you could make any villain out of any, you know, out of anybody from MMA, boxing, mm-hmm. martial arts, mm-hmm. and basic campaign around him, who would it be? Bruce Lee. That's what I thought you were going to say, Bruce Lee. And here's why. Here's why the Bruce Lee would be the best because he already has some kind of mystical aura around magic him. Powers. And, well, Maybe. magic so he powers can't just be held person and beat mystery. to death, right? But mystery. but he would be he would be a super powerful monk, uh, way of the open fist, of course. But uh, his driving force is that uh, he actually instead of ignoring the prophecy. That was Bruce Lee's uh, surrounding him and and his death and all that kind of stuff like that. He would actually take steps to try to prevent that. And by having this obsession over preventing his own death, he becomes the big bad because he starts doing things that are morally ambiguous to evil to try to prevent his own death. And then they have to go stop him because he's basically the ruining the lives of other – like – Hundreds of other people, basically. Hundreds of other people because what he's doing is going to put the world in danger if he doesn't stop what he's doing. So, Jake, here's my take on this. Do you think he becomes a lich, like a high-wisdom wit lich, or a worm that walks? Um, I think he becomes the Undertaker. Oh, yeah. And uh, he can teleport when the lights are off off and he can control lightning. Uh, But uh, Well, no, because my other thought, though, uh, with that hearing that was it actually makes me think back to one of the things I do like from Pathfinder, because despite the amount of grief we give Pathfinder on this show, like we don't. Lead monk a crippled, broken husk of a class that they keep nerfing for no reason as it begs for death. Yes. But, you know. uh, the part, you know, because we do take a lot of shots at Pathfinder, but they, there is a bunch of good stuff there. One of my favorite things is there's they have a god um, who I can't remember his name, but his whole shtick is basically um, he pulled a Buddha. Um, mm-hmm. He Ervon? Uh, no, no. It might be he he achieved godhood just by meditating super hard um, by becoming literally the perfect being mm-hmm. and not killing kid who became. God by com- becoming so drunk he doesn't remember how he became God. Yeah, no, uh, no, th- no. This like you know the, this guy is literally the idea of like the perfect monk. Mm-hmm. Um, has trained his body and everything you know to perfection, and then one day he just literally ascended to godhood. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of like Bruce Lee being a character because uh, you know. Bruce Lee is, you know, the reason, like, when I was a kid, you know, I, my dad was just like, as soon as I was old enough, you know, that I was allowed to see blood and not yeah. freak out, my dad mm-hmm. was just like, guess what we're doing this weekend? <laughs> you know, we're yeah. watching nothing but Bruce Lee movies, you oh, know, and yeah. obviously I fell in love. And, Enter you know, the dragon. Oh, yeah. 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 And doing all the doing all the Bruce Lee research and stuff. You game know, it's of like, death. <laughs> oh, God, game of death. <laughs> um, but doing all the research and stuff on Bruce yeah. Lee's life, uh, you know, while he was, you know, like a remarkably well-composed person and had excellent philosophy, mm-hmm. he still was a bit of a hothead. And he yes. was a known hothead. And yes. I could see that as an excellent character flaw. Yeah. You know, and like he's trying to recreate like achieving godhood thing. Well, it's not necessarily godhood. It's just there's a... Immortality. The, not even immortality. It's Complete he's trying to get past. He's trying to get past. He knows that he's going to die in like a certain way. In ten years, okay. he knows in ten so years no he's going to die. So he's trying to do everything he can to prevent that from happening. So right. he yeah, he hears a rumor that 
a guy in that village is going to grow up and be the one to kill him. Ah. So he destroys that village. He hears a rumor that a cleric over on the other continent is going to be the one that heals the person that ends up destroying him. So he goes and kills that cleric. Things of that nature. And then he starts to build on that to, well, if I keep doing this, then nobody will be able to come up against me. And I can live past that 10 year point where this is supposed to happen. And once that, that, that happens, once he passes that 10 year point, the, the, the power, the madness has gotten to him. And then he becomes this, he needs to consolidate more and more and more power so he can live an unnatural life. And even past that, like, He's he's come so far that the atrocities that he's committed. Yes. That if he just keeps going, he'll commit less atrocities and he'll be more justified in the atrocities he's already committed. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's who I that's who I would pick. He would he would be a twenty twentieth level monk and probably by very dangerous it, physically, not so dangerous as far as uh Interpersonal connections. Right, right. He would be like 20th level monk and then also probably a few levels of something else. Maybe I'd probably say wizard maybe. No, not wizard. See, I I don't like using the spellcasters. You and me both, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say he's probably 20th level monk and like fifth level fighter. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fifth level fighter. So, yeah, that would make him uber dangerous. Uber dangerous. Because he would have flurry. anyone in a single round. <laughs> I was going to say, because he would have flurry of blows. He would be able to do uh, quivering palm. He would be able to do oh my, well, all, all that stuff like that. And then he would also be able to use action surge to get more attacks. And he could do a massive amount of damage in one round. I yeah. mean, yeah, as a fifth level fighter, he'd be able to like three attacks around. Three as attacks around. Level monk. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Attack oh. with a bonus action, a flurry of blows, quivering palm. Pew, like, pew, pew, pew. just gone. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> no, it's a shame Clint couldn't be here today because, uh, you know, obviously I had the same question planned for him, but I guess on my end, yeah. if I were to pick one person yeah. to be either an antagonist or a villain okay. from all of boxing history, okay. um, we'd have to go with uh, the classic 1987 Iron Mike Tyson as just a pure beast enemy. Um, and hell, okay. even put Don King in there as like the <laughs> no, put Don King in there as the big bad guy, right? Okay, you know, with the great hair and he does all yep. the talking, you know. But he's that villain. If you make get him, him a bard, no, nah, nah, he doesn't even have to be a bard. Okay. You just you just get him on his own, you know. Okay. Like he's got four HP, you know. Okay. Like the the party gets Don King on his own, you know, he's gonna right. die, okay. you know. But they have to get through Iron Mike, Mike. Tyson, okay. you know. And Don King's there with that amazing eraser <laughs> hair he's got, you know, and he's just standing behind him, just like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. And then you know, Mike Tyson's in there. Yeah, bitch. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Let's, yeah. go. Let's go. Let's Come go. Come on. Let's fight. Let's fight. I really want to fight. You know, and stuff. And then, like, yeah, the fighter goes in there, and then Mike Tyson just tears his arm off, and then yeah. you're just like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. Ron. Ron saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, <Yeah>. but just <laughs> the idea of, because actually Mike Tyson inspired one of my other favorite villains, which is, that I've run, which is, I took an orc and a vampire, and to quote Mr. Mike Tyson, I made them kith. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, now there's a 12-foot 
red orc vampire that runs around my campaign setting and just nice. completely terrifies everybody that they run into. <laughs> but Mike Tyson was part of the inspiration. Like, not, you know, not the joke of Mike Tyson that way. Uh, no, to call Mike Tyson a joke nowadays would be rude, but to, not the, like... I know what you mean. The sanitized Mike Tyson I know what you today. mean, yeah. I mean, like, 1987 when you see that... block off like, Mike Tyson, that yeah. video of him working the heavy bag, yeah. like, and yeah. you can just hear it echoing through oh, the yeah. room. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there were, 1987, Mike Tyson is nigh untouchable. Uh, there are very, very few boxers, both past and present, who would have been able to stand up to him uh, and uh, and and not get knocked out. Um, Sonny Liston would have maybe been one of them, but only because of his speed and possibly um, – but see, it's really hard because a lot of like the big names now are not heavyweights, and Mike Tyson was a heavyweight. Yeah, um, I think Ali would have probably been like Ali in his prime fighting Tyson in his prime. Would that would have been, been a good show. It would have been a show, but it would have been a lot of Ali just pop pop backing out, pop pop backing out, just trying to make. Tyson wear down, but Tyson, if he hit Ali just one time, <laughs> would I mean, hit, well, no, because Foreman had the power of Tyson. Yeah, he just didn't have the impact of Tyson, and that and yeah. that's the biggest difference is power and impact. It's the the connect energy behind the punch. Foreman swung big haymakers and he hit, and when he hit you, he hit you hard. Yeah, but it didn't have that resonating impact. That Tyson had that the key flow. No, the this key, is, yeah, this is exactly. A, yeah, this is a conversation yeah. I want to keep having because <laughs> I do love classic segue. boxing, yeah. and I do think the decline of boxing also came with the decline of heavyweights. Yeah, but we got to get back to D. Yeah, yeah, and we have a Thunderdome to present. So right. let's get to it, everybody. Give me the give me the bell. Okay, you know me, on, I'm the thunder round. You're on the bell duty. Well, no, no, we're gonna uh, everybody's gonna pick one here. All right, and I'd like to. Um, I, I will take the scraps. That is fine. Uh, through thorough investigative research. Air quotes. Air quotes. In 30 seconds. Um, I have gone through the monster manual itself for 5th edition, and I have before me what could best be considered the four best villains. Again, air quotes. The ones that would be best villains rather than just a beat stick. Yeah, uh, better than a beat You know, you could base an entire campaign around these as a villain. Okay. And so these four are... Um, Three of them are remarkably strong, and then one of them just has a lot of utility. Uh, utility is vampire. Vampire being the weakest out of the other – out of the four. Uh, but their ability to obviously come back from the dead because, you know, you destroy them. They return to their casket. Uh, then they have a lot of great spells. They have mind control abilities. They can make thralls. They can do a lot of really good stuff. Um, so vampires are out there. The other three, dragons. Oh, yeah, of course. There's a dungeon, in... <laughs> dungeon, and there are dragons. Yeah. Dragons, they can polymorph at will. They can, you know, they can self-polymorph at will if you give them spells or, goddamn, even add class levels to them. <laughs> Woof. Woof. A fighter dragon. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, can you imagine that? Taking a he fire crunch. breath, he bites tails and then, you know, flies, and then action surge. I'm going to do it all again. <laughs> this time, for real. Um. So the dragon is up there. Lich. A good choice. Which excellent choice. Um yeah, that's it's one of the it's one of the few uh like super buffs I've ever seen from Wizards of the Coast too. Cause Lich in third and three point five was like 
it was a mid-level villain. They, it some, was, they basically wizards with some survivability. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were about fourteen CR. But then you know, come five E, they are just they're they steroided the hell out of them. They're twenty one, twenty two CR. Because at this point, you don't have to worry about PCs becoming liches because they're like, I'm going to sacrifice a village of babies to become <laughs> invulnerable. Yeah, no one's like, oh, that seems an acceptable trade. And. This last one, to be fair, I've never actually seen somebody base an entire campaign around this. But upon double checking the stats and looking at the numbers and everything in the book, um, I'm really surprised it hasn't happened or I haven't seen it really happen in 5e. And that is the Kraken. So you want us to pick one? Yeah, everybody pick one. But just really quick, just to like fluff what the Kraken can do other than its great lair. I mean, it's got 30 strength, which is the cap. Several. um, But it has 22 intelligence. It That's is a lot of intelligence. It's smarter than any human. It's smarter than Einstein. The, like a lot. The, the, smarter than Einstein. Yeah, the scary squid monster that swims in the ocean is also smarter than Einstein and can control lightning. Lightning. Okay, now, to that. be fair, really quick, just to because uh, we got a comment here, uh, Thomas uh, Alterzitz, uh did throw out the Death Knight. The Death Knight was considered for this list but i i think that the utility the vampire has and its ability to create thralls overpowers the death knights just sheer look at me big dick swinging you know showing up dropping giant fireballs on people's heads um but the death knight is like the death knight is an honorable mention on this list for sure um and also i guess to get because we have had a couple of comments while we've been going on about boxing and bruce lee and other <laughs> other things that are against yeah other nerd things that are closely related to D. um let's see i would like to shout out to kent bettner uh his favorite villain quote is pretty good basically talking about gods and uh you know how gods have to fight other gods and stuff for a campaign check it out if you're looking at our comment feed um, You'd like my campaign setting, Kent. Where yes. Gods fight each other for their god seeds all the time. Yeah. But we got about 10 minutes here, so let's try to wrap this show up here. Of course. So who wants what? I will take the scrap. I'll take the Kraken. Ah, Ooh, Paul with the Kraken. Womp. All right. Dragons are the only other thing I know about. All right. I believe that leaves you with the Lich, Jim. Lich uh, or the or vampire. vampire. I'll take the Vampire. Ooh, right. my favorite. Yeah. All right, then I will sit here and defend the Lich. So, gentlemen and lady, with your selected villain, how would you how would you terrorize the countryside? Um, we're going to try to keep each answer to a minute. Can I get the bell, please? Here you go. Thank you, sir. All right. So, um, do you want me to start with the, the Kraken, the one, the unexpected contender? Yes, the unexpected contender with the Kraken. How is what is your uh, plot hook? Why? What is the Kraken doing that is making? Uh, and this is going to be the same question for everybody. What is your blank doing that is attracting heroes to end its reign of terror? Bullshit. So let's let's pause for a second. You know how many things, settings say, "Oh, you can just in an aquatic setting," and nobody ever does it. Yeah, the Kraken completely circumvents that. You're going to be doing an aquatic setting. You're going to like it. (laughs) The Kraken is completely disrupting all international trade and travel. This is a problem because it turns out in most of history, international trade and travel comes mostly through the ocean, and the Kraken can throttle a galleon in a standard action. He crunched. Yeah. So you're not going to do any trading whatsoever. So every country is getting really poor and really starving because the Kraken is just being a jerk. 
Okay. Talks. Okay. So, um, what is no? Uh, okay, we'll just settle for that as that is what he's doing, and this he is... wants to be a god, and for that he needs people to worship him. Okay. All right. You got to be scared. I was about to get. So the you goals. have to worship him to not get murdered by the kraken. On the so I have to make an initiative order here on the show for fun. Um, so we got Paul with the kraken. Jim has the vampire. Helen has the dragon, Jim. and you have the lich. Yep. Okay, so Jim, you are up. What is what is your vampire doing? So the vampire and and um, the vampire, you won't know it's the vampire. Okay. There'll just be stuff going on, just weird things that are happening in and around the countryside. Children are missing. There are cattle that are being destroyed. And as the adventurers get closer and closer to solving these mysteries, they find the thralls are the ones that are actually doing it. And eventually, so you know, as they go on down the line, as they go farther and farther down the hook, they'll eventually learn that there is a vampire that has basically been working on uh, basically his goal is he's he's alone. He's lonely. And he wants he's to the only one friends. of his race, of his being that exists. And he he feels lonely, so he wants the world to be like him. Aye, 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 aye. So he, he's trying to slowly turn the world into his own uh uh kind. You know, so yeah, own kind or whatever. So and and, and that and that and that is his ultimate goal. You okay. know? All right. So that's that is what he is doing, and that is what his goal. So for the dragon. What's the dragon doing? Why are they interested? Yeah. So dragons usually only care about other dragons. Metallic dragons are good generally, and chromatic dragons are bad. Yes? Is that yes. Like correct. Is correct? Yes. You can't fuck with that? Yes. Okay. I mean, of course, there's good chromatic dragons. There's evil metallic dragons. Yeah, it's, it's we're getting into your world, your bullshit. Yeah, no. It's, yeah, it's, so uh, gold dragon lives on the mountain. Uh, very old, has been protecting... You know, a city and shit for a long time has been important mining. And uh, what goes wrong? What makes them evil? Yes. Well, there's another dragon there. Uh, so the gold dragon has not been seen for a long time by the people of the village. They have been mining too much of the gold out of the mountain. The gold has run dry, and so the dragon is beginning to die, and her offspring, a red dragon, uh, burninates the countryside. Terrorize all the people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, burning all the peasants in their thatched cottages. Yeah, possible, by the way, because I did read a very interesting long-form post that I need to share on our uh, page about uh, metallics and chromatics crossbreeding and how that works, because that is a very interesting conceit, and I do like getting away from the monolith characters, you know, like, chromatics are evil, metallics are all good, like, you know. Where's where's your good black dragons? They, they, they struggle against racism. But ultimately, they just want these help swamp, help these swamp people live. Yeah, you know, like there's 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 ways to work around it. So yeah, so we'll go with that. There's there was some crossbreeding, and uh, yeah, we got a we got a baby red dragon. Yeah, or, who or, is now, or maybe or maybe uh, a red uh, an adult red dragon who's like, I still love you, but you are dying. And so the red dragon uh, burninates the countryside because the gold dragon's um, heart of the mountain has been removed by. Okay, miners. I'm about to pull a Kobayashi Maru. All right, and win my own damn game. <laughs> Because I'm the host, and I can. You're the lich. Let's do this. I'm the lich, and I'm just. I'm just gonna run the most classic lich ascension story of all time. It's Vecna. All right, works. I mean, that's that's all I got to put out there. Um, this is if you follow the story, because the story of Vecna is also the story of D and D. Interestingly enough, if you're like, you know, one of these days we're gonna have that episode where we just like 
nerd out about the entire history of D and D and like that because there's so ready. There's a loose story that is told in D and D, but that story is mostly the story of Vecna because in first edition he's just a wizard. In second edition he is a lich. By third edition he has ascended to demigod status after doing bullshit and shenanigans. And by fourth edition, by uh, 3.5, he has reached godhood. And by fourth, he is just big dick swinging, you know. And here in fifth edition, I mean, like, there's there's been no more movement on the Vecna, like, plot line that kind of exists. There's nowhere else up to go. Yeah, there's nowhere else up to go. But he, like, all the recipe pieces are here. So if I were to run a lich, I would be starting with second edition lich uh, version of Vecna. He's the smartest person that's ever smarted. And he is working on getting to demigod status. And you're the party. Stop him. Good luck. <laughs> Plot against somebody so smart he makes the gods look like Prevent imbeciles. Pathfinder from existing. Yeah. <laughs> Kill him. By third, if by only, third if only. Sorry, Paizo. You guys have messed up with Dungeons Dragons too much. I'm sorry. Okay. I can't save you. So. The next question, and we we got about one more minute on this. Uh, Let's like it. Then. Let's do it. Yeah, on this brief Thunderdome here. Um, so, Paul, we're going to start with you here, obviously, again. We're I'm listening. Back around the circle. With your character, because we've got goal, we got motivation. Release the Kraken. We got goal, we got motivation, and what they're doing that is attracting followers. Um, what is, how would you over arc, uh, no, no, no. no. I phrased that badly. What would your main lieutenant be? The main lieutenant is a merfolk. Oh. A merfolk cleric of the Kraken who believes that the Kraken is that which created the world, who created the seas, and whose land was stolen by the usurper gods. Okay. And he must take it back to the Kraken and submerge all under the ocean. How is he doing on his uh, whole converting the merfolk society? He's... About fifty percent done. Well, I mean, most of the folk think he's crazy, but the remaining four percent like, uh, you're crazy, but you're also gonna submerge all the land to the ocean, and we can live under the water. So let's do that. Okay. In the water. <laughs> <laughs> Don't right. have no good metals to listen to. Yeah. No. Exactly. All right. So, Jim, uh, mine would be a female death domain cleric who is in love with a vampire. Ooh, That's so, what I'm talking about. Yeah. And she she is the one that's pulling all the 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 normal like day to day strings to like this is what you're gonna do this is what you're gonna do this is what you're gonna do or whatever. But her she just wants to be loved by him, and he doesn't really love her, but he's using her. Yeah. But she wants to basically be his bride for all of eternity. Okay. All right. A tragic goal, but a gold yeah. loss. Vampire classic. Uh, my red dragon's lieutenant would be a dwarven scholar, possibly some kind of caster, who realizes that this was a like dwarven mining project that humans ruined, and that's why the dragon's sick because they didn't mine properly. And so he is also set for revenge against the humans and to fix the beautiful dwarven city and rejuvenate the sick gold dragon. Okay. All right. Um, last but not least. Yeah. Ma- last. But not least. So with uh, with Vecna, again, to... Can't to be later Bri- Lady Briarwood. Yeah, nope. Not going to be that. <laughs> I'm going to do this instead. Um, 
at some point, because obviously early on the party is going to interact with Vecna way before either of them planned on it, mm-hmm. right? You know, because Vecna is a man about town. He's got a pretty good, he's got a lot of thumbs and a lot of pies. He's, mm-hmm. you know, very aware of what's happening. His thumbs aren't every pie. Exactly. Um, but then this new pie shows up that he wasn't aware of. Uh, he is going to kill one of the party, most likely. Not a, you know, not, you know, just by here. Nothing lightning. personal. Yeah. Just business. Yeah. You know, not by just lightning, fucker. You know, but some, some way, you know, like eventually one of the players is going to die. And when that player does die, he is going to get his hands on that player and reanimate them as his lieutenant. Okay. Ooh, nice. Effective, That's a talk. Yeah. Effectively yeah, works as, uh, you know, and obviously you got to have that discussion with the player and you got to do all that back and forth. But if, you know, you can make everything work, that is like a heart-wrenching encounter for the party. Ooh, yeah. Is you having... You got to have good role players, though. Yeah, you got to have good ro- role players for it. But, you know, that, that encounter between their dead former friend... You know, who it's, they now know is working for the guy who killed him. More than that, it's not even a token for only good role players. It's even for bad role players, or <laughs> I should say bad, but people who are not experienced. It's right. something that would allow them to develop from inexperienced role players to experience. Yeah, because it's, you know, I, I, I view that as a really good growth opportunity, too, for, you know, players to role play. Because, again, you're my friend, Anakin. You're my brother. Yeah, and I loved you. for you, Tiffany. Yeah, I've yeah. never shouted at a girl like this. <laughs> yeah. So... Sadly, guys, we're out of time. I had about three more questions. I, 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 no, it's it okay. Happens. You know, it happens. Um, we're out of time this week. Uh, once more, uh, we're going to talk about a giveaway and we're going to do our farewells. Uh, so if you've enjoyed the content thus far, we are doing a Facebook giveaway. Uh, please like our page on Facebook. Once we get to 500 likes on our Facebook page at 3DM's podcast, that is 3-T-H-R-E-E, spelled the old-fashioned way, not the number, DM's, DMS, podcast, uh, on Facebook. On Facebook. Like our page. Once we get to 500 likes, we are going to give away two D&D books, non-special editions, uh, one to each luckily, you know, randomly selected We'll liker. sign them if you want to. Yeah, and we'll sign them if you want it. Um, but we're just trying to grow the page. So if you enjoyed the content, please give us a like, give us a share, tell people who you think might like about it. Um, so as far as this debate goes, uh, there are more things I'd like to do with it, but we ain't got the time. So... <laughs> Uh, let us know who you, let us know what villain you like the most if you've been listening the whole time uh, give us some comments send us some messages uh, we'll announce the winner next week I suppose that's that's the only way I can think of off the top of my head to wrap it up right now um, we'd like to thank Jim from the undercard for filling in this week on uh, hosting duties and doing yeah, a cross pod with us mm-hmm. um, I hope you had fun we enjoyed yeah. having you most certainly I, I love nerding out on D&D yeah. Yeah. Thank, yeah, for, yeah, thank for, you for uh, joining us Jake and Jim and possibly Clint on Tuesday night at 7 7 to 9pm Eastern Standard Time Here Studio on, 1 on podcastdetroit.com uh, that is yep. correct and uh, well I think that's uh, I think that's pretty much it for us this week so I'm Jake I'm, I'm Paul I'm Helen I'm Jim And thanks for joining us. Uh, Roll hot this week, and we'll see you next time. Now, if only the mouse will work so I can end the damn show. (laughs) Be gone, Thump. Be gone.